Morning, Journey. How y'all doing? If you'd have been here last night, you'd have seen that this room was decorated with balloons and uh, festooned with all sorts of... There was a, um, a crescent moon right here last night that I preached under. Any guesses why the room would have been decorated like that? Prom, that's exactly right. Belgrade's prom was in here last night, and uh, it was a pretty cool deal. Uh, so, you know, last night we gathered as the church at 6 o'clock for a worship experience. We met God uh, at this spiritual time, and then we cleared out, and then high school had its prom. Belgrade High had its prom right in here, and we like that. We love it, actually. And it's part of the very reason that we built this building. And absolutely, our church, if I can say this, uses the heck out of this place and at the same time we built this building to give it away. God blessed us with this building so that we could be a blessing to our wider community. Sometimes we say it this way, it's a love thing. It's a love thing. Thursday and Friday of this past week there were about 250 teachers right in here sitting right where you're sitting from all across the state, public school teachers for a training event. Uh, last night after we cleared out of here for our worship experience there were more than I mean it was jammed in here more than 500 friends and family in here uh, to watch that grand march there was a few hundred students in here for the prom itself and we just love that and I want to just give you a little insight into my heart uh, around how I pray about those times whenever the community uses the community at large uses this campus and I'd even invite you to join me in this prayer. I always pray around those events that the Holy Spirit of God would linger around this campus in such a way so that when people who don't ordinarily think about God, when they step onto this campus, that they sense his presence in such a way that it is a noticeably different place from any other place they ever walk into. And then I pray that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, would use that to begin to draw people to himself, to begin to woo people's hearts into a relationship with him. And I just invite you, encourage you, even challenge you to join me in that prayer, especially as more and more and more community at large gatherings are happening on this campus. One other thing that I'd like you sort of to celebrate with me, I asked you several weeks ago if you would please pray with me, with our senior leadership team, as we began to put together the staff team who would be leading our missional community initiative for us. Remember, we're turning Journey Church into a conglomeration of missional communities. That means we're actually going to be about mobilizing our church on the mission of Christ. And I ask you to pray real hard with me that God would lead us to the team he wanted to take the point on that very, very significant initiative for us. Literally, it is the most significant thing we've set out to accomplish as a church since we started the church seven years ago. We needed God to sort of drop in what I'm calling his kingdom dream team to us. And I'm thrilled to let you know that he did just that. He absolutely did that. Our council put their blessing on those hires on Tuesday night of this past week. Uh, that team will come on staff later on this summer, and I just could not be more thrilled. Just wait until you, like, wait until you meet this team. Now, I can't tell you who the team is right now. I'm really sorry about that. Like, lead you right up to the precipice and then leave you hanging, right? Sorry. But because of confidentiality agreements we have with them, uh, we can't tell you. But literally, as soon as we can, we absolutely will. 
And God just answered prayer on that deal in some pretty special ways, so thanks for praying. Good job, those of you who rallied around that in prayer. Praise God for that. Enough about all of that, except to say, if you have anything you want to talk to me about around any of that, I'll be out in the lobby afterwards uh, and would be glad to engage with you a bit out there. If you've been counting, it's the fifth weekend of Lent, right? We're walking through this Lenten journey. We're in this XT message run. We're preparing ourselves spiritually for what God wants to do in us this Easter. And remember, the Lent season is a grief season. We're grieving Christ's death on the cross because of our sin. We did that. It's our deal. And then on Easter weekend, we're going to just explode the celebration, and we're going to celebrate Christ's resurrection that weekend. And this, the Lent journey, remember, it's a spiritual workout. It's a spiritual workout. And if you're a person who works out physically at the gym or anywhere else, you might work out. That is always challenging. Workouts are always challenging. Workouts are always character-shaping. Workouts are, most of the time, arduous. And at the same time, working out is always invigorating, which means that you kind of get to the end of it and you go, man, that was hard. Jeez, that hurt. I'm going to feel that tomorrow. But I'm so glad I did that. Pressing into spiritual preparation around Lent, around Easter, is just like that. Very challenging, and it's invigorating. You're so glad that you did that. Last weekend, I challenged all of us to take up one of the more difficult pieces of the Lenten journey. If you were around here, you'd know I invited you to fast in one form or another at least one time between last weekend and Easter. Uh, I'm going to amend the fasting invitation a little bit today in just a few minutes, and so I'd ask you to stay tuned for that. And also sort of uh, because of that challenge and because of some things that the Lord did in my heart over the course of this week, I'm not going to talk to you about Sabbath or rest today, okay? I hope that's all right. It's a bit of a change up. Uh, I will say this, however, uh, take a Sabbath, right? Like, because that's kind of the bottom line of the whole Sabbath rest deal. Take one, like obey God, one Sabbath every single week, right? God created the whole world, which... It was kind of a big deal, right? And then on the seventh day, he rested. There's some stuff on your notes page around that, and you can dig into that if you're so inclined. And uh, I, I would sort of apologize for the adjustment, but I, I feel like then I would be apologizing for God, and I don't think he would really want me to apologize for him, and so we're just going to go with this. Let me ask you this right out of the chutes. What is it that you contended for this week? Think about the past seven days of your life. Think about all the things that you were engaged in. And in a room like this, there was a lot of stuff that we were engaged in. What is it that you contended for this week? To help you answer that question, let's define what it means to contend for something. Dictionary definition, Webster's definition, to contend, to strive or vie in contest or rivalry or against difficulties. So what'd you contend for? When you stepped out this week, what was it that you were contending for, striving for, vying for, in contest against, rivalry against, difficulties you pushed up through, into, and so on? What is it that you contended for this week? It's kind of a tricky question. 
And it's a kind of a tricky question because what happens to all of us, if you're anything like me, is we get to just going through life. Does that happen to you? Right? Life just sort of happens and the next thing you know, you're sort of being swept away into the realm of the urgent and often unimportant stuff in life and you just get to going through life. At some point in the morning, most all of us, we have to get up, right? And so we do that. We get up. Some of us get up earlier than others. I'm always jealous of the people who get to sleep a little later every day. But at some point in the day, we got to get up and we got to get ourselves ready. If we have kids, we got to get kids ready. And then most of us, anyway, we have to get out the door to somewhere every day, right? We got to go to school. We got to go to work. We got errands to run. And you go do that all day long, sort of wage war out there, right? And then you come home, and you've had a full day, and you sort of stumble through the door, and then there's homework to do. Maybe you're a student, and you have your own homework. If you have kids, they have homework, and you're trying to figure out Algebra 1, which I'm horrible at, by the way. Got to press into that. Maybe you have one of those jobs where, you, where you're lucky enough that they give you a laptop computer, Right? Isn't that nice? And they do that because they expect that you're going to take that home and at night you're going to flop it open and you're going to work at home because, well, then, you know, you can do more, right? And so you got to do that thing so you get all the work you didn't get done during the day done. And then at some point, if you have kids, you got to tuck them into bed. You got to get teeth brushed and you got like all that stuff. And then so you get that done and then you sort of fall into bed, right? End of the day and that's just... You, Like life just sort of gets to going. It just gets to going. So when I ask that question, what did you contend for? It can be a difficult question. Because you probably, if you're anything like me, you didn't even think about it in those terms. But I'll bet this week, every single one of us, we contended for stuff, didn't we? And we probably contended for stuff that we didn't even think about. No show of hands on any of these. Just keep them down if you would. But how many of us, if we were really, really honest, would say, this week when I got out of bed and when I left the house and when I went off to do my thing, I really all week long contended for money. That's what I did. I contended for money this week. That's about money because none of us wants to fall behind financially. Falling behind financially is not very cool. Hate it when that happens. And so we contend for money, right? So we can stay ahead of what I'm not exactly sure, but stay ahead. Some of us contended for money perhaps this week. How about this one? How many of us would say we contended for prestige this week? Maybe you didn't even think about it like that. But maybe sort of subconsciously, you selected the activities that you participated in. You selected the people you participated in those activities with based on how they would help or hurt your measure of prestige and standing in the community. I'm going to go there because that'll sort of prop me up. I'm not going to go there because that'll make me look like a schmo. And I don't want to look like a schmo. So I'm going to hang out with these people. I'm going to do those things because prestige is what I'm contending for. I want to be seen with that person. I want to be seen with that group. I don't want to be seen with those people or that. It's about prestige. Maybe some of you, maybe you even saw your words with friends victories this week as a way of moving up the prestige ladder. Come on, be honest. Right? Like, yes, I'm better than they are. I used to think I was pretty good with words until I started playing the game words with Friends, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can Google it when you get home. Don't do it now. You'll get sucked in. <laughs> and it, it, by the way, if we play Words with Friends ever, you're going to beat me. 
you're, you're just going to beat me. It'll be like 400 to 139, and then you'll be more prestigious than me. Some of us might have contended for prestige this week. How many of us would say, honestly, when we took an honest evaluation of our heart and our life over the past seven days, how many of us would say we contended for power this week? Right? Because power is a, a sought-after thing in our world. Powerful people in our culture, they most often have more money, they have more prestige, they have more success than everybody else, and so that means the more power we have, the better off we are, on and on and on. How many of us would say we contended for power? And in the midst of our contending, you might have contended for a whole bunch of other things other than those, but in the midst of this contending, which I assert we all did this week, we all contended for stuff. Ephesians chapter 6, if you've got a Bible, you could turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at a city called Ephesus, he talks to us about what is the most important thing in the world that we are to be contending for. The most important thing in the world that we are to be contending for, and I'm just going to tip my hand right up front, it isn't money, it isn't prestige, it isn't power, it's nothing like that, it's something else, and it's something that maybe you never thought about before. And so let's read this, the words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. A final word. There's some pregnancy to that, right? Like, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now watch this. Here it is right here. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I gotta tell you, the whole reason that I'm redirecting and I'm not talking about rest and Sabbath is because the Lord frankly just piled me up with this early this week. I've been fasting a bit at the start of the week. Just so you know, I'm not just asking you to do it and sort of watching you do it. I'm in the fasting challenge with you. As a matter of fact, our whole uh, church staff is in this fasting challenge with you. And so I was thinking and I was praying and I was sort of working through how I wanted to couple up my fasting and praying toward the salvation of souls this Easter time. That's sort of what I wanted my prayer and fasting to be about over these weeks. The salvation of souls at Easter time. And I just sort of started scratching some things down. I was in a prayer time and I started writing some stuff down on a piece of paper. And out came this line. The life of the Christ follower is meant to be all about contending for the eternal destiny of souls. There it is. Contending for the eternal destiny of souls which is everything that the Apostle Paul is talking about in those verses, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Let me read it again. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And that's really good to remember, isn't it? Because life gets hard and we get 
tussled up with people, don't we, right? We brush across people and conflict happens. How many of us had conflict just this week? Don't raise your hand, just think about that. We had conflict in some way with somebody this week. And how good is it to remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies? Remember that the next time you're in conflict with somebody. Oh yeah, there's something else that is at play here. It isn't just you. There's something else in the spirit realm that is at play here. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And Paul's saying the same thing several times there. There's something so much bigger going on and it Christian is about it is to be about what we are contending for did you consider that this week when you got out of bed and you kicked your feet over the edge of the bed and your feet hit the floor did you think about oh yeah my job today my primary responsibility today is to be contending for the eternal destiny of souls Did you look beneath with those eyes? Did you look then beneath the waterline of every single interaction you had with every single person that you had any contact with at all in the past week and go, what am I doing? What am I saying? How, watch this, how am I contending against the devil and his minions for the eternal destiny of this person's soul? How? what because christian that is what our lives are supposed to be all about contending for the eternal destiny of people's souls and i'm a pastor right and so this is sort of confession time and i just sort of thought back at the beginning of this week over the past week and the week before that and the week before that and i thought about all the people that i interacted with all the conversations that i had all of the grocery store clerks even that I interacted with, I just said, Lord, forgive me. Because in so many, now there was a few, but in so many, the majority, really, of those conversations, I wasn't thinking about contending for the eternal destiny of that person's or that person's or that person's soul. Because I got busy and I get distracted and I get to thinking about, I got to go to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, what's coming, what's coming. We are to be contending Christians for the eternal destiny of people's souls. That is life. That's why we're here. That's everything we are to be about with all of the hours in our day. And lots of us, we read this Ephesians 6 passage of scripture. If you've been around the church very long at all, you're somewhat familiar with this, I'm sure. We read it, we hear it, we hear about this thing, spiritual warfare, and we sort of go, yep, I'm in a spiritual battle. Yes, there's lots and lots of stuff going on around us in the spiritual realm. Maybe at some point in our Christian life, we read like a Frank Peretti book, and that opens our eyes wide to some of those things, and we're like, man, something like the screw tape letters, you know, C.S. Lewis or so. And we sort of go, there's all this stuff going on in the spiritual spiritual realm and then you sort of say yep I'm glad I'm on the winning side right I'm glad I'm on God's side and then we just sort of 
disengage from it. We just sort of leave it out there in the realm of the unseen and say, yep, all that stuff's going on. But Paul doesn't want us to do that. He wants to put it in very graphic imagery, front and center, and he does it. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The devil and his minions who are your and my enemies, they are the sworn enemies of God himself. They and we are locked in the most intense battle you can ever imagine in which we are contending for the eternal destiny of the souls of people all around us. It's happening all around us. And we cannot We dare not, Christian, just sort of go through life, doing life, getting swept away in life, contending for money or prestige or power or all the other things we contend for. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh. Christian, step into the battle. Engage in the battle. The implications are eternal. The implications are eternal. We're contending, folks, for the eternal destiny of people's souls. Think about your friends. Think about your neighbors. Think about your family, even some of your family that live in your own house, your extended family from there. Think about your roommates. Think about your coworkers. Think about your classmates, your teachers, everybody. And right now, while we sit in this room, the devil and his minions are contending, they're striving, they're vying as hard as they can, watch this, to try to take as many souls as possible straight to hell. No other way to say it. That's what they're all about. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Satan and his minions are all about taking people straight to hell. And that is an enormous, God-sized challenge, isn't it? It's daunting. The stakes are as big as you could ever imagine. It's even, if you think about it too much, it even can be a little frightening, right? But then at the same time, there's that challenge. There's another challenge that in my mind really looms just as large And it is great numbers, it's this, great numbers of followers of Jesus Christ were so busy, some of us were so busy contending for all that other stuff, money and prestige and power and whatever else we're contending for during all the best hours in our day. Huge numbers of Christ followers, some of us were not even out on the battlefield contending against the devil. We're not even there. We're not even there. And there's this giant tug-of-war going on with the eternal destiny of souls at stake. The devil and his minions trying to take them to hell with him. And some of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we're not even on the battlefield because we're just sort of going through life. We're doing our thing. Which means that all week long we're working with and we're in class with and we're living across the fence from we're sons of and daughters of and parents of people. People who have souls and the devil's engaged in a perpetual tug of war 
trying to take those people. Think about the people in your life who are far from God and you know they're far from God. And the devil's trying to take them to hell and we're contending for other stuff. Our eye is off the ball. We're striving after money and power and prestige, all kinds of other things. And please hear me very clearly. It isn't that you don't care. It isn't that we don't care. It isn't that we're callous to it. Of course, we care deeply. We think about those people in our lives who are far from God and it wells tears, doesn't it? Of course we care about the eternal destiny of people's souls. It's just that so much of the time, we're not even thinking about how to help people cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ. We're not even thinking about how to help them cross the line of faith, be assured of their eternal destiny, the eternal destiny of their soul. Because we're distracted, we're contending for all that other stuff. It, Christian, is not the way it's supposed to be for us. Now watch this. You can't tell it in the English. But in the original language that Paul used to write these words in Ephesians chapter 6, everything he says there, every directive he says there, it's all plural. And you might be going like, so what? It's nine something in the morning and you're talking about plural, original language use. Well, get this. Paul's words being in the plural gives them much more weight. Significantly more weight. Most of the time we read a passage like this, or let's just take this one, we read it and we take it as being directed like just to me, right? It's for me and it's for you and it's for you and it's for you. And so we kind of scoop up all this stuff and we're just supposed to like go do it, me, I. I'm just supposed to go do it. Now that's partially right, partially right. But it isn't the entirety of how Paul wants us to understand this idea of contending for the eternal destiny of souls. Because what Paul, everything Paul's driving at, Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, everything he's driving at is we, us, we, us, all of us. The big C church of Jesus Christ. Us. All of us. Not me by myself and not you by yourself and you by yourself. We, all of us, are to be contending for the eternal destiny of people's souls. Collectively. We don't just go off by ourselves for six days and contend and contend and contend and then sort of gather back up in a room. Uh -uh. It's supposed to be all of us, every single one of us, arms locked together, being, first of all, as Paul says, strong in the Lord. That's where it starts, frankly. Strong in the Lord. You have got to be, if you're going to step out onto the battlefield, if you're going to contend for the eternal destiny of people's souls, you have to be strong in the Lord first. Strong in the Lord, not weak. Not sort of limping out onto the battlefield, like strong. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Arms locked. We're strong in the Lord. And then we put on all of God's armor. Because remember, we're going out into a battle and we stand firm. We're immovable. We're not being blown and tossed by the winds and the waves. We're rooted in Christ, on Christ. We're trusting him, following him, depending on him, obeying him, standing firm. 
And we're together arm in arm fighting against the strategies. All, Paul says, all the strategies of the devil. And why are we fighting? Because the eternal destiny of people's souls hang in the balance. And they hang in the balance around us, all around us, every single hour of every single day. It's us, church, all of us, getting about that, being about that. Christian, it's the reason you're here on earth. It's why you're here, to contend for the eternal destiny of souls together in partnership and in concert with God. And so with that mission very much in mind, we're contending not for money and not for prestige and not for power and not for anything else. We're contending for the eternal destiny of souls. That's our job. We go out these doors, that's our job. Contending for the eternal destiny of souls. In light of that challenge, in light of this mission that we are to live on 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, here's what I'd like you to do around the fasting piece. I told you I was going to amend the fasting challenge. I'd like to double it if you'll let me. Two weeks from now until Easter weekend. I asked you last weekend just to fast one time over three weeks. I'm going to turn up the temperature. Instead of fasting one time between last weekend and Easter, would you fast twice, two times, at least, you can fast as many times as you want, but at least two times between now and Easter. Fast at least two times between now and Easter. At least two times. And you can fast from whatever you'd like to fast from. You can work that out. If you have no idea around the fasting deal, you can grab the podcast of last weekend, a CD of last weekend, and sort of get up to speed on what fasting is and isn't and so. And I'm going to ask you to make your prayer time around those fasts the eternal destiny of people's souls in our valley. So you're going to fast... And then one of the types of fast is sort of adding oomph, if you will, to our prayers. And so I'm going to ask you to add some fasting oomph to your prayers, our prayers, around the eternal destiny of the souls of people in our valley. And you might even just pray this way, God, would you give us souls this Easter? God, would you please give us souls this Easter? God, give us souls. Would you please, God, would you, as only you can do, reach down from heaven, use us to scoop up people who are in the midst of all kinds of darkness. And God, would you save their souls, draw them to your son, Jesus Christ, and would you save them? And then add this onto it, if you would. It isn't just about journey. It's not. It's about the big sea Church, yes, God, please give journey souls absolutely this Easter. And would you please, God, give every single life-giving, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church in our valley, would you give all of us, big C church, give all of us souls? And you know who the life-giving, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church is in our valley? Name them by name as you pray for them. Name them by name. God, give all of us, give your big C church in the valley souls this Easter time. Give us souls because that's what we're really contending for. Everything else, it's peripheral. 
This is about eternity. Too fast the next two weeks. God, give us souls, an unprecedented harvest of souls. Fast and pray. We're contending for the eternal destiny of souls. And this is not small potatoes stuff. This is people's forevers. And what we know is that every single person on planet earth was made by God with a soul. That soul is intended to live on forever. Which means that this world and all of its trappings and all that goes on, they're frankly just a blip on the radar screen of our entire existence. Maybe we get 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 some years to live, but that's just living on this planet because souls live on forever. And based on the decisions that people make during the course of their life on this planet, that determines whether their soul goes on to live with God forever or apart from God forever. And God says to us, Christian, your job, your role, your primary responsibility is to be contending for the eternal destiny of the souls of every single person on planet earth especially the people who we're in relationship with especially the people we come in contact with we don't want anybody to spend forever separated from god some time ago a pastor i know was at a dinner gathering that he was invited to it was a very large banquet type gathering this pastor was seated randomly at a table with several very high-ranking military brass these military brass guys, they were very well-intentioned, but over the course, this pastor says, of the entire dinner, these high-ranking military men spoke with an air that communicated that they thought that the most important business on planet Earth was the power of life and death, which they held firmly in their hands. And what we know is that while those military men certainly held the power to decide who lives and who dies in many settings, what's true beyond the shadow of any doubt is that our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to partner with God has stakes that are immeasurably higher than just life and death. The business that we're in day in and day out is all about the eternal destiny of souls and it trumps everything else. It's about people's forevers. Are they with God forever or are they apart from God forever? Christian, we can't afford to be just contending for all this other peripheral stuff. The stakes are way too high. They're eternal. And God says, come on. God says to you, Come on, get about the very reason that you're on planet Earth, contending for the eternal destiny of souls. That's what it's about. It's everything it's about. Would you take your stuff and set it aside, please? And I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you would.
with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, if you sort of analyze your life and you look across, not even just the past seven days, but maybe the past seven months, years, maybe the past seven decades, even, and you have this honest gut check and you go, you know, in all candor, I've been contending for everything but the eternal destiny of souls. I've been really vying for stuff that in the scheme of eternity, frankly, just doesn't even matter. If you come to that place, what I want you to hear today is that God's not about beating you up about that. Not at all. What he is about, though, is saying, come on, today's a new day. All that other stuff, you can make it peripheral, starting right now. And you can step out onto the battlefield where the eternal struggle is unfolding right now. And God's desiring to partner with you in contending for the eternal destiny of souls. He says, come on, lock arms with me. Let's get about it. Let's go. Those friends, those family members, those neighbors, those classmates, those teachers, those roommates. Right now, Satan and his minions are working overtime to take them, those people that you love, to hell. God's going, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So in these moments, I just invite and I encourage you to just make some new decisions around that. Drive some stakes in the ground and go, you know, those things that I've been about, that other stuff that I've been contending for, I get it, they're peripheral God, I want to suit up and I want to stand firm and I want to lock arms. I want to be strong. And I want to contend where it really counts, where it really matters. Souls. The eternal destiny of souls. And then I invite and I encourage you to marry that up with that fasting challenge two fasts in the next two weeks at least two fasts whatever that looks like for you you could fast one meal two times you could fast two different whole days shut your cell phone off for two days forget about email two times shut the computer off put the xbox away whatever Now, whatever time that you would have devoted to that other thing, you're just going to pray instead. And I'd ask you to pray like this. God, give your big C church in the Gallatin Valley souls this Easter time. It isn't just about journey. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the big C church. All those other life-giving churches, fantastic life-giving churches all over this valley, God, give all of us partners, souls. We're partners, arms locked. Give us souls this Easter time.
in a way that is unprecedented. And maybe you're someone who's here today and you realize that you're stepping out onto the battlefield and contention for the eternal destiny of souls. It starts with you stepping into faith in Christ for the first time. Maybe you realized here today that your soul was involved in that tug of war. And maybe where you sit right now, God's not winning that tug of war. Maybe you think, you know, what I've done, where I've been, it's too dark, it's too deep, it's too... There's not forgiveness for that. And God says, not true. There is. My son, Jesus Christ, died for that. No matter who you are, no matter how broken you think you are, no matter what you've done... God says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And some of you, you might have been running from God, running hard. God says, come home, there's rest. Some of you have been rebelling against God and God says, stop. You can put it all down the deep dark stuff that you think there's no forgiveness for put it all down and there's rest rest for your soul in Christ Jesus longs to forgive you he longs to wash you clean in the shed blood that he suffered for you and if that's your heart today like the sincere desire of your heart you can tell all of that to God you can tell him in a prayer you can pray along I invite you to pray along with me something like this God I repent I'm a sinner and what amazes me Jesus about you is that you see my sin you see the deepest darkest pit that I've ever been in and in that moment you still love me and you still died for me That blows me away, Jesus, and I just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me through your death, through your burial, through your resurrection. I get it. You took my place. You paid the price that I owe. And you set me free. I was destined to eternity apart from you, and you changed all of that. And because, Jesus, and only because of what you've done, here's my heart, here's my everything. Please make me clean, make me new, make me whole. I'm yours, God. Once and for all, I'm yours. And if you're a person who's stepping into faith in Jesus Christ today, the eternal destiny of your soul matters more than anything else so if you just transacted that bit of business with God, if you gave him your heart and your life, I'm going to ask, because it's such a big deal, I'm going to ask you to let me know that you made that decision right now. Nobody's looking around this room. It's just me, you, and God looking on this moment. If you prayed that prayer with me just then, would you be so bold as to slip your hand up, lock eyes with me, and just say, yes, I stepped across the line of faith today in Jesus Christ. You can do that now. 
Oh God, forgive us for forgetting where the battle really lies. Forgive us for being people who so often just get distracted or get caught up or get swept away in life. And we thank you, Jesus, for calling us back to what's most important. It's about us with you contending for the eternal destiny of souls. God, would you help us be courageous in that battle, that we would step out those doors and that would live front and center in our hearts and minds. This isn't just a conversation with this person. We're contending for the eternal destiny of of their souls. This isn't just an interaction that I'm having with this person across some counter somewhere. I'm contending for the eternal destiny of their soul. I'm not just having dinner with my neighbors. This is about contending for the eternal destiny of their souls. Oh God, that you would burn that sear it into our hearts. Sear the gravity of everything that's at stake, eternal destinies. And then compel us, God, to say things and do things and pray prayers move to action to make a difference in the eternal destiny of that person and that person and that person's soul. It matters. We get it. It matters. And I pray that we would reflect that knowledge in everything we do every single day. Don't let us forget, God. Please, don't let us forget. You're the best. And we entrust our everything to you. Most of all, our eternity, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray this. And everyone agreed and said,